0: I really want to um, be here with you this morning. This is important, and um, thank you so much again for your faithfulness and your prayers. Um, there's not a whole lot to say. Um, we're uh, we've stepped into another uh, into another kind of a page now with Sarah. And we just um, uh, really greatly appreciate your prayers for her. Um, Just to give you a little hint of what we would love to see more and more is um, just this morning. I never get a phone call on my cell phone on Sunday mornings because it's like people know, you know, I'm kind of busy. But... um, my brother called, and um, he shared a, a devotional with me, a little devotional line uh, over the phone. He's back in North Dakota, and um, he never does that. Um, I hope and pray that God will um, use all sorts of things through, through this situation um with Sarah to draw people to himself and just pray that for your for yourself uh hearing um of people just uh not knowing us and reading on what's on caring bridge um it's a great encouragement and it's a connection and so we want to um I I hope that you'll continue praying for, for Sarah, for um, healing, for strength, for peace and comfort, and, um, and for us, but also for the people that are in need of what is most important, and that is their eternal salvation, that they would come to know Christ in it. Um, you know the cancer situation, no matter who it is, the cancer situation is not the worst situation. The worst situation is a life without Christ, for eternity. So please keep that in mind. and such as we're dealing with this morning, we, uh, we're talking about uh, walking in his footsteps, and we talked about uh, we, we talked about John the Baptist and learning from him he struggled you know we would we would say you know here's one of the guys that was the greatest man and etc etc and and he walked after Christ and and what happened he he doubted he stumbled he he had a hard time we talked about walking after Christ into the wilderness of temptation and and getting closer to him uh in dealing with temptation We talked about walking after Christ up to the temple and regarding worship. And there's a lot of snares in front of us as we do that because the enemy doesn't want us to draw near to God. And so there's all sorts of really attractive kinds of things to pull us aside and and draw us away. And so we've got to be on the alert and man's. Religion and all the different ways of religion are very attractive because they, they back us up in our effort to want to prove that God will give us entrance to heaven because of our performance. That doesn't work. We said that before. It's not, God's not obliged to you or me based on our performance. And so our efforts to be good, in his eyes, will fall flat. Right? Okay? And then we talked about walking after him in his footsteps up to up to the mountaintop. And uh, anytime we think of the mountaintop, we think what? Oh, wow, beautiful, glorious, wonderful. But the mountaintop we really were talking about was the mountaintop of Calvary, where he went to die on the cross. And so, too... You, believer, you you say that you're a Christian, so that then we need to follow in those footsteps of dying to what? Dying to ourselves. Galatians 2.20, I am, what? Crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith. Not by good works, I live by faith. And the faith then brings about good works, right? Good works is there. Okay, so now we come to this last one, uh, this last message on walking in his after in his footsteps. And you know what? We can talk and talk and talk about it, but I can't do it and you can't do it, Christian, without his grace. And so the idea of walking in his footsteps is so that you would, you know, by God's help, display it by his grace. And. Our pride keeps trying to jump in in all sorts of ways. And so we need to remember it's not by our whatever, our good stuff, whatever. It's only by his grace. right. And here's where it gets a little tricky. You know, we need to understand that this is actually um, we start off thinking, oh, well, then it's up to good works. I've I've got to do certain things. You know what? You do, Christian. You are responsible in walking after Christ. You are responsible. And so we get into that kind of thinking like, oh, it's, it's up to you. Well, yes, you've got to do the, you've got to take certain steps. However, on the other hand, it's all of His grace. This is the, the paradox, okay? You know, so like young people, you hear um, your your Sunday school teacher or, or you hear the pastor, you know, talking about this kind of thing. It It's a paradox, it's both. It's your responsibility, but it's also, here's God's grace. And really, in the end, your success as a Christian is... All about his grace, and unfortunately, you and I tend to grade and, and rate Christians. Oh, we look at that person. Oh, they're they're not doing that well, and this person over here. Oh, wow, they're really a, they're like super Christian. Okay, and we got to be careful not to get into that kind of classification. The, the thing is, a person will respond to the work of Christ in them. And over here on the other side, if, if the person's not really living for the Lord, and they say they're, they're a Christian, there's still some problems here. We, we're kind of going, whoa, what's showing forth, what fruit is coming forth in their life? Really? And so it comes back to this individual over here who's not really doing that well in his Christian walk and to say, come on, you've you got to do something here. <laughs> what's, what's happening? If nothing's happening, people have, uh, it, it seems like, you know, there's the, no sign of any fruit. And so the idea is that that person would start responding to God's word and the work of God in their life. And start walking after Christ. It's not Christianity is not a matter of just sitting back in your easy chair. Waiting for the trumpet to sound. And so following in the steps is about. That we would uh, put on display. His amazing grace. And we just sang that hymn. Amazing grace. I'd like to ask you to take your Bible. ...and turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look at this passage in the next few moments... ...and then move into our communion time. And while we are doing this, um, keep asking God to help you prepare for communion. If you're here and you're not a believer, um, we're glad that you're here. And a lot of what I'm going to say here this morning is directed to those who are followers of Christ. But nonetheless, we, we call out to you to say come to Christ believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved okay it's not about doing good works it's about walking in, responding in faith to what god has already done in giving us the gift of salvation jesus christ who died was buried and rose again on the third day and you believe on him you believe on that work that he did you'll be saved you, you admit your sin and you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, or to put it this way, ask Him to take control of your life. If you've lived any, you know, farther past twenty years or so, you know that you you need help. You know, we need help. We need a Savior and God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what everlasting life. So we're going to look at this passage. It's a very familiar passage, Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 12. And um, there are three keys that I believe that help us in this walk to help us show forth the grace of God in our lives. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect regarding the Christian life, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, let us, therefore, as many as are perfect or as many as are mature, have this attitude, and if anything, and if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have atta- attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, And now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Okay? That passage is critical for you. If you're saying, I want to walk in his footsteps, I want to walk with Christ, I want to follow with him, this passage is critical then for us to understand. And so we start with the first one, is that you must understand the description. Number one, the description of this walk. And it's letter A, this is point number one, the description of this walk. And letter A is by way of our humble demeanor. Starts there. With humility. Okay? Recognition that I've not become perfect or mature or whole, but having a humble attitude before the presence of Almighty God. That's absolutely necessary. <laughs> that's what it, that's a, another description of what it means to come to Christ and, and come to faith in Christ. Is There's humility on, on, on the part of the repentant, sinner humility and paul describes it here in verses 12 13 and 14 okay he says not that i've already obtained it verse 13 brethren i do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet okay paul knew so much about the lord and knew so much about his righteousness and all these things and his his writing of the book of romans is incredible And yet he's saying, you know, I haven't made it yet. I haven't attained it. So he shows that we've got to have a, an approach of humility to God in, in this walk. And maintain that. Humility, Christian, humility is your best friend, as C.J. Mahaney put it in his book on humility. It's your best friend. Pride is your worst enemy. So get to know it. Get to know the difference of humility and pride. And it's very subtle. Older adults, you know that. If you walk with the Lord any length of time, you realize the subtlety of our pride. Okay? Letter B, verse fourteen. He says, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So letter B is our direction, or better yet, our holy direction. We've got a here's the issue of our demeanor is humble. But the direction that we now take is one of holiness, pressing on, moving forward, on to further dependence, further trust in, uh, on to further likeness of Christ in our lives. Okay, Pressing on means to actually pursue. You keep close with the chase. You think of that idea? Here's the, here's a chase that's going on. That's what the Christian is is doing in his walk with the Lord, is chasing after Christ. Christ-likeness. His grace. His strength. Now, weigh that out, my friend. If you're saying that you're a believer, weigh that out in your thinking. How often is that really happening? That you're chasing after Christ in your life. You press on. The goal is... The, here's the mark. I press on to the goal, or it's the mark uh, what one aims to achieve in a race. I was never really good at sprinting as a kid. I was a little, I was a little junior high kind of rat, you know. And uh, there's all sorts of faster guys, you know. But in my mind, you know, I loved athletics, and I I wish a, I would have wished that I was fast like that. But I. Ended up saying, well, I'll, I'll try long distance running. <laughs> still had kind of the same problem. Didn't finish many races there on that. But see, as, as a Christian, you're to press on to the goal. And the goal is, here it is, chasing after. Here's the mark that you're going after. The, and the goal, listen, the goal for Paul was still there. It wasn't like he he got to a point and said, hey, now I can sit back in my easy chair and look at who Paul was. Think of that. Here's Paul, the apostle. Uh, just, you know, incredible, and God used him in an incredible way. And he he didn't sit back. He kept saying, I, "I press on." If anyone could have said he was going to back off, it could have been it should have been Paul, right? <laughs> but he says, I, "I press on." And Christian, the goal is still before you to keep pressing on. Okay, one's faith in Christ. Listen. That One's conversion is not the end of things, but just the beginning. And all too often, we have people coming to faith in Christ and then somehow getting taught and thinking that, oh, I can sit back, take it easy. And then other things become their pursuit. Other stuff becomes their big pursuit in life, and it's not the mark of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, this is the description of our walk, okay? Get it down. Get it in your thinking. I can't just sit back, I press on, okay? And really, I would say this is our priority. Christian, it's a priority. It's not like, you know, just, hey, everything's cool. No, don't think that way. You're to press on in your walk. And let me ask this, has his grace taken effect of your priorities? As you think of the priorities in your life, Christian, has his grace made an effect on those priorities or are those priorities more about your agenda? Think about that. Number two on the back of your outline Is the discipline of this walk. The discipline of this walk. And you look at verses 15 through 19, and you see, he says, Let us, therefore, as many as are mature, or whole, or perfect. He uses that word perfect. And in our culture, we have kind of a hard time with that word perfect, because we think, oh, perfect. (laughs) Well, it's not perfect in our kind of thinking. It's the idea of mature. Okay? So verse 15, look at it. Let us, therefore as many as are mature, have this attitude. And if anything, if you have a different attitude, God will reveal it also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. And then he goes on in verse 17, saying, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. He's calling you out to do two things here. Here are two disciplines, real simple. Number one, letter A, is have the right mindset. You've got to have the right mindset. And you realize that's where things get started, is how you think about things. And how you think about things, if it's not filtered, or if it's not saturated, I'm sorry, if it's not saturated in the Word of God, then your thinking is going to go back to your old nature. Your human tendencies. And and you if you've been born again, you have new life in Christ. And the life in Christ you need to understand where, you know, how it comes about. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And the spirit of God will enable you to be doing the right things then in his sight. Doesn't mean you're perfect. You'll still stumble. Look at John the Baptist, remember? But yet you get back up and you keep walking, you keep looking to him, you press on, okay? So, for those who are mature, think this way. Let us keep thinking this. Okay? We've not attained absolute perfection, but we keep going in the direction. Hold true to what we have attained. What have we have... Christian, what have we attained? And can you answer that question off the top of your head? Or do you have to go looking in the book? (laughs) What have you attained, Christian? What is yours in Christ? Okay? And think those things through. The thing that Tim read this morning from Charles Spurgeon is just a blessing to the hearts of those who have been redeemed. The greatest thing is that you've been forgiven. And now you can press on to know the Lord in your life. So, hold true. Keep living by that standard. Okay? And then, letter B. The right model. This is another discipline in your walk. If you don't have the right model... You're following after the wrong way. <laughs> you need the right model. And who, did, who is he using as, he uses himself first. He says, follow after me. He puts himself up there in the spotlight and says, you, you follow after me. Because I'm following after Christ. Now, the idea here, and he gives an example. This is important that you, you follow along with this. That we have a right model that we're walking after. And God has laid before us, Christian, many models. They might be still alive. They might be dead. You know, their body's dead. Their spirit's in heaven with the Lord. But there's many models. And we've got to be careful about, you know, how we go about, you know, who are going to follow? You know, you read all these authors. Okay? We've got to, you know, be careful in this regard. We're to repl- replicate wise steps. Replicate wise steps. How do you determine what's wise? It's in the Word. You've got to spend keep keep on spending time in the Word to determine what wise steps to follow. I mentioned it in the past. Proverbs chapter four is a tremendous example of this idea, this very theme. Okay, but the path in mean, verse eighteen. Proverbs 4, verse 18. But the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Are you on that path? Then the next one is to recognize wayward steps. Recognize wayward steps. And this is where he gets into talking about the enemies of the cross. Now, this is important that we understand this. He's not, listen, he's not talking about unsaved people. He's talking about those who would say that they're believers and yet aren't following after Christ. Now, when it all comes down, there's only two kinds of people. Sheep or goats. There's only two. In God's economy, there's only two. There's not three or four. There's only this one or this one. You're either in light or you're in darkness. You're either a sheep or you're a goat. Okay. And the more we let that sink in and recognize that, the more we say, oh, well, if I'm this, if I'm truly a sheep, then I better follow the shepherd and not look like a goat there's either the wheat or the tares, right? And that's those are those are categories that God gave us. Now, Paul recognizes there's a problem and he deals with it. And he look at verse 18. Look at it. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. And then he lists it. He says, here's what they look like. Their end is their destruction. Their end is their dis- destruction. And this is, listen, this is the antithesis of salvation. It's the opposite of salvation. Okay? Okay? It's in contrast to the true child of God. And the true child of God glories in the cross of Christ. Got that? Mark it down. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. Okay? Galatians 6 verse 14. But far be it from me, far be it from me to boast except in, what? The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying, I'm, the, it, "What I'm going to boast in is his cross, and and the principles that come from that, the truth that just comes pouring forth from the cross where Jesus died." Okay, but he says enemies of the cross are known first that the, their end or their purpose, their life is here's the, in their destruction. Secondly. He says, look at it, okay? Verse 19, he says, second one is, whose God is their appetite, or whose God is their belly. Now, um, got to be careful here, because the belly is um, getting larger as I get older. Um, that is an indicator. That's one. I'm serious, that's one. Here's, here's a, a, a pleasure in, in food, without regard to anything else or it's appetites for other things right it's appetite for other things in this life and so we got to be recognizing that whether it's pleasure literally in food or in other earthly things whatever contributes to the gratification of the flesh would make you an enemy of the cross is what he's saying so where is your, as we say it, where is your heart really at? What is it directed at? Okay. Am I boasting in the cross? Is that what is permeated through all my priorities, through all the choices that I make, everything like that? Then, they, it's a third one, they glory in their shame. You know what? Every person born has something that they want to glory in. And if man does not know the Lord Jesus Christ so as to glory in him and his cross, he's going to glory in the very things of which he should be ashamed. Follow that? They glory in their shame. The very things that God would say, this is shameful, they glory in that. And again, these are, here are people who are saying that they're believers. And then the last one, he says, and their minds are set on earthly things. They're focused on that. They're fixed on earthly things. And you say, well, what's the matter with, you know, you know, being fixed and focused on my job? Well, if that's to the neglect of God, then you're idolizing that. You know, all these things, we've got to think through them, right? We aren't going to just chuck them all and say, Oh, everything's evil. Can't do that. So, you know, your job, the, your, you know, your finances, your, your livelihood, your, your home, the, the things in your home. It's a matter of saying, you know what? I know that I've received this from God. And I want to be a good steward of what God's given me. There's been a lot of people in this world, in in history, that act like everything's evil. And they turn away from it. And, And they turn away from everything worldly, you know. And they just go and they're monks, right? So how do we engage in these things and yet still shine as lights for Christ? How do we do that? Well, it starts, here's our mind. What are we focused on? Living for things of this life used to be called carnality. You remember that? And again, this is the opposite of pressing on to know Christ and his call. Okay, so our first point dealt with our priorities. Second point here, this discipline of this walk deals with our maturity and how we're growing Okay. Has God's grace, listen, this is the question about God's grace now. Has God's grace affected your sense of discernment? Because that's what Paul's pulling out here, saying, you walk this way, and you walk after people that have walked in these wise ways, but watch out, because there's enemies of the cross. And here's what they're like. And another question is, do you recognize yourself as an enemy of the cross? Is that something you recognize now in how you live, in how you think? Are you an enemy of the cross? Or are you a loyal follower that you're, you're going to walk in those ways in a, after Christ in His way? Our final point, number three, is the distinction of this walk. Here's the result, is that we are citizens of heaven. Here's the work. Here's the work of Christ to bring about this. We're we're supposed to be, you know, living as citizens. Verse twenty. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus. So, letter A. Here's the distinction of the Christian walk. We serve as His citizens. We're in a day and age in America, my friend, where a lot of us are really, really concerned about what's going on in our country and what's happening with our leadership and it's very easy to shift over there and have more concentration about being a good patriot here than about being a patriot for God <laughs> if you can put it that way and let's not get confused and, and uh, spend more time watching conservative news than getting into the word of God right right okay <laughs> mark down ephesians 2 verse 19 also in this first letter a under number three ephesians two nineteen. see this is about uh the king james version says this is a commonwealth um this is a, a civic entity all right we are citizens of heaven as believers in christ and Paul lays out, here's this stark contrast. He, he referred earlier to these people as enemies of the cross. And now he says, Christians, that's not what we're at. We're, we're citizens of heaven. Interesting little note. The actual people in Philippi, where this letter was directed to, they were of Roman citizenship. And yet they were about 800 miles from Rome. Okay. Interesting little parallel there for us here. We are living on this Philippi if you will living in this world and yet our citizenship is not necessarily 800 miles or so, but you know quite a bit longer (laughs) farther to heaven to glory. And we we look secondly letter B we watch for his coming. We eagerly await letter C we long for his change. Okay. We long for his change. And this is what he will do when he comes. He will bring about change. He'll, uh, the word is is like, uh, he'll re-engineer things. (laughs) He'll be a re-engineering of things. Look at verse 21 in chapter 3, you see it. Who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory By the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. No one else could say that. All the great rulers of history could never bring about the change that's mentioned in this one verse, in verse 21. And so we long for his change. Folks, this distinction of our walk that's mentioned in verse 20 and 21 is about our identity as Christians. Are you identifying with this? Do you identify with these two verses here in how you live? And that's the challenge before us. Has God's grace taken effect on your walk, on your conduct, on your identity? So, I want, more than anything else, I I would long to see People, number one, come to salvation in Jesus Christ. And number two, to walk in conformity with His will. Because we live in a day and age where there's too much, I've come to know Christ, but I'm living however I want to live. And Philippians 3 is clear on this. Here's the description of your walk. Are you walking according to that? Here's the discipline of your walk. Are these disciplines true of you? Having a right mindset and following a right model. And then finally, here's the distinction or even the dynamic of your walk. Are you excited about being a citizen of heaven? And it should be in such a way that others see it and go, whoa, that's that's distinctive But all too often, we look like the world. And God help us to say, no, I don't want to look like the world anymore. I want to look like Jesus in the world. I, you know, this morning, I know we're going to be running a little late here. I'm sorry. But here's the thing. I, I wanted to come this morning and In doing that, I've received encouragement to my heart and soul. Okay? And um, in other words, I could translate that to say, I see Jesus here. All right? And we need to keep on yielding ourselves and asking, Oh God, display your amazing grace in my life. Help me to do that, Lord. And we come to this communion time, and you know what the routine was for the people in the Bible times? If they just, you know, they walk around and go off to the, the city and go shopping and, or go on to visit someone across town, they come back, and the routine was to have the, the servant wash their feet when they came back. And obviously, you know right away, if you've been in the Word of God and you understand it, that that 's what Jesus did the, the, the very role of the servant Jesus took on that role in the upper room and they gathered together in the upper room and this is like here here 's his his crucifixion is just around the corner and he he took on the role of a servant he stripped down into a into a in the clothing of a servant just wrapped around and here he, he kneels down and he washes the feet of the disciples and every time we we think of this idea, this concept of walking with Christ in this life. Here we come to this point in our lives, in our walk, and we need to come to the Savior and ask Him, wash my feet. But all too often we're like Peter. said, so no. Well, if you're going to wash my feet, wash the whole body. And what did Jesus say there? He said, you know what? We don't need to wash the whole body. You've been what? You've been cleansed. We just need to wash the feet. Why? Because our, here's the, here's the, the kind of the picture. Our feet get dirty as we walk in this world. And so we come to a time like this communion where we confess our sins to him. We confess our unbelief to him. We confess our hate for something. We confess our lust after something. We confess our coveting after things. We confess these things to him. And we say, Lord, wash my feet. That's what we do in a time like this, to remember what he did, that he went to Calvary and purchased your eternal redemption there. So we give thanks. We come confessing sin. We come asking him for his grace. And I ask the men at this time to come who are helping to serve. Let's be in an attitude and a spirit of prayer as we do this.